on. Just put your information on the envelope. All right. So we've been in the series. That's is my mic mic going? Yes, it's going. We've been in Exodus. What an appropriate message for today. <laughs> We're really having an Exodus. <laughs> Exodus means what? All you Bible scholars in here, what does Exodus mean? What does the book of Exodus mean? Huh? Leaving. <laughs> we're, we're, we're having a, a leaving, a, a coming out. We've been having one for the last few months, but we literally have <laughs> Exodus in our hand right now, leaving out. And so, if you would go with me to um, Exodus chapter 14, Exodus chapter 14, um, verses 10 to 12, and um, my message today is, this is, this is what I was going to preach on Sunday. Uh, Exodus or Egypt, and for some strange reason, all that happened, and so I'm gonna do it. So, my message is Exodus or Egypt, uh, it's found in Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. You found it? When you found it, say amen. amen. Verse 10, chapter 14, says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Now, I want us to just break down that a little bit because this is the beginning of the leaving out. Uh, the children of Israel were on their way. And um, when they looked up and recognized their situation, they realized that the, Egypt, the Egyptians were following after them. Now, they've been in bondage for a long time and they've had the season of plagues, the different season of plagues and flies and blood and all that kind of stuff. You read it before, won't go through it now. But now they're, 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 they're moving on and they're being delivered. And um, once they saw the size of the enemy behind them, they started to panic. Kind of normal, huh? We panic. Uh, Paul says we walk by faith and not by sight. It's good if we can all get that inside us and don't react this way, but sadly enough, we all do, including myself. Um, <laughs> you know, yesterday, I had to come to Jesus meeting. I had to pray to God. God, I know nothing is going to happen to me in this machine. There are people right in the room next door. Why in the world am I panicking over this stuff? There's no reason or rhyme for why. <laughs> why? It just doesn't make sense. Except I feel like I'm in a tomb. <laughs> so... Maybe I don't want to die. Uh, anyhow, but life has this way of bringing this fear upon you when you see your enemy. And so they said unto Moses, you know, because there were no graves in Egypt, and other words, they didn't have this sickness and death and all that. Kind of, he said, why have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why didn't you just leave us where we were? Just ponder on that for a second. How... Folks could tolerate a situation and tolerate a situation and tolerate a situation. And even when change is staring you in the face, because change is different and because change is an uncertain thing and you don't know where you're going to, you default to, you could have just leave me where I was and let me die there. Because where you, at least I know that. I don't know where you're taking me. Oh, you know, that in a kind of emotional and overwhelming way, because even tonight as I was lying down and meditating and pondering on all this, it just dawned on me. I think I took it for granted all these years that one day 
I packed a suitcase and some money and I got on a plane and I journeyed into the United States to a college campus in Oklahoma and never turned back. And it just finally hit me. The ability to go into an unknown place just because you want to change the dimensions. I know nothing about where I was going, nothing about the culture, the country, the climate, the conditions. But to leave what you know and go into an unknown with one thing in your mind, behold, I see the glory of God. <laughs> so read the next verse. Is not this the word that we did tell you? Did we tell you this in Egypt, Moses? Did, did we tell you, um, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it has been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Wow. You know, just, just leave me alone. In, in chapter 16, I'm going to jump ahead of myself a little bit because I want to really close this story and get back into the message. In chapter 16 and verse 10, this is what drove them. We don't see it in chapter 14, but we see it in chapter 16. Go to chapter 16 and verse 10, and you're going to see what drove, drove them. Uh, Moses records in, in, in Exodus chapter 16. Anybody found it yet? All right. Now, that's what I wanted you to see. Not in chapter 14. In chapter 14, they're complaining. Why you didn't just leave me in Egypt and let me die? At least I know my environment. I know my surroundings. I'm comfortable to some extent. You know, just leave me. This change that you're talking, this, this visionary thing you're talking about, I don't see that. And, and you know... <laughs> They used to beat me in Israel, in, in Egypt, but at least I had a house to live in. Um, they used to make me work hard, hard hours, but at least they used to feed me. You know, it's almost like a, a battered wife syndrome. You know, it's just like, you just treat me like dog, but at least, you know, I had a roof over my head, uh, you know. But in, in chapter 16 and verse 10, he's saying, we looked and we saw the awesome, let me read it from the NLT. Then, as, and as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, so it took Aaron to come, you know, because they were asked to present themselves before the Lord, and because he heard you complaining, they were grumbling and complaining, and hard times, and this and that, and could you just leave me alone? Uh, you know, we didn't die in Egypt. At least we didn't die there. Now you bring us to die here in front of all these people and make an open show and they're complaining. And Aaron, the priest, just got up and said, listen, present yourself before the Lord. You're grumbling too much. You're complaining too much. Stop. S stop. <laughs> present yourself before the Lord. God wants to say something to you. So we jump forward to the 16th chapter and the 10th verse. And as Moses spoke, and as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out towards the wilderness, the very place they're complaining about going. When you get this, the very thing they feel that's going to kill them. He says, look out there. And they looked towards the wilderness. And there they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in a cloud. You're not going to see nothing unless you venture out to change. You're not going to recognize anything in your present situation until you make your heart and venture to change, to see something different, to grab a hold of something different. You're not going to see it. You cannot see clearly in your present circumstance until you change your present circumstances. And so it took Aaron to say, listen, I know you don't get it, but at least do me one thing. Stop complaining. Mm. You don't know what you're getting. You're only caught up in what you have. Mm -hmm. 
and what you have not working for you, right? For 480 years. Here's a list of observances that I have. 480 years, because from that time to Malachi and the coming and the change and all that, 400, it's called the dark period. 480 years of slavery and bondage when they were taken captive from Jerusalem and carted off to, 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 to Egypt. 480 years, a big span of time. If you check through the minor prophets and major prophets, you, you'll see the, the span of time that they had been gone. 480 years, generations have come up, grown up, born, died. Here's a list of things I've seen. One, they had bread, stuff to eat, but with bondage. They had bread with bondage. They had quarters, you know, like living quarters, but they were in captivity. They had clothing, but with confinement. They had an existence of sort, but with anguish. They had being, a sense of being, but with beatings. Look at what they had. <laughs> huh? Yeah, they kind of grew accustomed to it, right? Yeah, I have food, but with bondage. I had clothes, but we confinement. Hmm? They had sustenance, but with sorrow. They cried over and over continually before. They had some, they, yeah, you know, sorrow, but you know, I have, I, I don't want to leave because, you know, at least I have this, but you go to bed crying every night. But do you really have? Mm -hmm. They had presence, but with pain. They had life, but no liberty. They had provisions, but no privilege. They had a fast, but no freedom. The choice was Israel. Stay in Egypt with all its humiliation and with all its poverty, or attempt the exodus and chance the wilderness. How many of us have made bold moves in our lives when we didn't know what tomorrow had promised for us? Hmm? Did you die? You made it, didn't you? There is the resilience of the human spirit that is encoded with this thing called survival. I believe there's a DNA gene in you called survival. When we are put to the test, somehow something kicks in. There is a creative juice that is releasing the enzymes in your body that makes you make a way. If you're a fighter, if you're a fighter, that's the natural response. If you're not a fighter, you probably later on die. But life has thrown so many of us so many challenges in the past. And we're still here because somehow looking back, we found a way. By God, we found a way. Look what the Lord has done. I'm telling you, I'm lying down this evening and I'm overwhelmed. I'm meditating. I'm going like, oh my goodness, here I am. At my age, I'm in California. And I went all the way back and could see like in a vision, clear as day, the day that I took one suitcase I took one suitcase, that's it, got on a plane and flew to Oklahoma without a clue knowing what tomorrow hold for me. God. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to challenge the unknown. You just have to say, Lord, Exodus as opposed to Egypt, I'm moving on, I'm going, I'm getting out, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. This is a fate walk. This is a fate walk. God, if you say who you are, that you are, I am going to trust you. I'm going to believe in you. You're going to bring me through this. There is no situation that you can create, invent, or dream up that God doesn't have an answer for already. 
It's the unknown that scares you. It's the unknown. The wilderness experience, that's what scares you. The wilderness. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I, I don't know where we're going. I <laughs> Live long enough to realize that none of that matters to me anymore. God has always, always made a way. God's got a way. He's always, always made a way. So what is my choice? Stay in Egypt with all the humiliation, with all the poverty? Or take my chances with an exodus into the wilderness? Is it going to be bondage or bread? Is it going to be freedom or uncertainty? I choose freedom and uncertainty. Exodus or Egypt. You see, to the Hebrew, the wilderness was an unknown. You see many references to the wilderness in scripture. Come on in. You see many references to the wilderness in the scripture. And, and, and so to the Hebrew, to the Hebrew child, um, the wilderness represented an unknown. And he was in the wilderness, so he was on the backside of the desert. He was in the wilderness over and over and over and over. It's an unknown. And Moses went into the wilderness and he stayed there for 40 years. He don't know what's going to happen. And he had a season there for 40 years. 40 years. My goodness, I'm telling you, I, in, in my human sense, in today's world, I'm going like, Lord, enough is enough. 40 years. But I got a, a, a word last week, a, a revelation of sorts from reading another scripture. Every trial in your life has a lifespan and a season to it. It will come to an end. Everything that's happening to you will come to an end. Huh? It will change. The, the, the thing that's pressing you right now has a lifespan, it will come to an end. No, I was talking about the bad season. It will come to an end. It will end. I promise you, on the authority of God's word, through sheer repetition of the history of God's people, a season is going to come to an end. And I said at the beginning as I was praying, 2019 is a year of re restoration. I believe this is a season-ending year. I really, really believe this is a season-ending year. For all the stuff that has gone on, this is a season-ending year. And the collectivity of our voices before the Lord, crying out in desperation, seeking the face of God, looking into the cloud for an answer from God, I believe God is going to... Listen, the nation is groaning. The world is groaning. The church is growing. Romans says, all of creation groans for the sons of God to manifest. There is a season in the atmosphere now where even the creation around us is groaning and begging us to take our place. Seasons coming to an end. I mean, trees, life, culture, society, crime, everything, the news, everything is just surrounding us and bombarding us. And we are not seeing that that is a cry from creation to tell you and I, sons of God, take your place and bring some relief to this suffering. You have the power to change the atmosphere. You have the power to change the atmosphere. If as a collective body of people, you can see the darkness around you and see what is happening and band yourself together with no agenda but this one. God, creation is groaning for us to take our place. Help us to take our place and bring some relief, Lord, to the drought, the hunger, the fightings, the quarrelings, the tribalism, the squabblings. Oh God, everything is distressing. There's got to come an end. It is always and historically always been in the midst of this kind of chaos that revival breaks out. These are conditions ripe for revival. You know, I have something stirring in my head. So don't say this is a dust set, the Lord. But I believe that there will be a global conflict 
not like we're thinking. Now, there's going to be that regular aspect of a global conflict. But I believe if you want to cripple any nation, get into their credit system and mess with it. Mess with how the governments make money and how they collect money and mortgages and credit cards and all kinds of stuff. It's only a matter of time before somebody mess with the credit system and all people's debt are going to be wiped out and there will be no way to collect money and the economy is going to crash. That's my stupid thing that's working inside my head. But I'm not going to say that's it, Lord, but that's... They can't. They'll have no trace of it if somebody hacked the computer and erased it. You can't. Yeah. Well, I'd like to wake up tomorrow and my score is 850 and I owe nobody nothing. Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of hacking I'm talking about. And the bank can't call me for a note on my house because they have no trace of it. Anyhow, I digress. Moving right along. So what would they encounter in this uncertain thing? How long, how long, you know, how long would we be there? Would I make it to the promised land? Were there any guarantees? Is there any guarantees moving into the wilderness? Is there any guarantees moving into an uncertain place? Listen. Them just like us wanted promises, guarantees, no surprises. Right? You and I don't want no surprises. There is no order in the universe that can guarantee your safety and well-being. Might I say that again? There is no order in the universe that can guarantee your safety and well-being. None. None. What do you own or have right now that is a sure promise? Hmm? There's nothing. <laughs> Life is very much a journey into the unknown. Remember, there's this, this seminary, seminary that advertised in their brochure that they were seven miles away from any known sin. <laughs> but that's just it. It's not the known stuff that gets you. It's the unknown <laughs> stuff that gets you. Mm -hmm. So when you're boasting in that, oh, wait, we're so far removed from any known sin. That's it. Any stuff that you know, there's stuff you don't know. That's the stuff that gets you all the time. You know, if ignorance was a bliss, we'd all have big blisters. That doesn't make sense, but let's move on. You'd be blissful, full of blisters, but it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, I, I, I think back about, um, and this was an exciting time for me because I'm kind of, Turn on by certain stuff like when we were sending the Challenger shuttle, the Challenger shuttle into space, you know, uh, the first, that big, well, it wasn't the first one, I think it was the second one. Anyhow, but I was glued to the television way back then. I was in Oklahoma City and they made it. And on their way back, that thing blew up. Huh? The, the one the, yeah the one that blew up a launch yeah. they were they were going into the unknown yeah. and it blew up seven were well, seven people on board right mm -hmm. yeah teacher a mm -hmm. um, couple other people the unknown they were willing to risk the unknown and even in that tragic event I remember Looking at the TV, those of you all who could remember, and it was a little thing called an O-ring, a seal that leaked. Mm -hmm. Well, the design of that was changed after that. And we haven't had that incident anymore. Did it have to take seven people for us to get better? No. Maybe. Chuck Yeager, who was a test pilot. Who, yeah, who flew that supersonic jet. That was the first time we broke the song barrier. Remember what happened when they were testing that? They crossed Mark 1 and that thing would vibrate and felt like it was going to fall apart and he had more thrust on his engine, but they, because of the, the speed and heat beginning to cause the vehicle to expand some and 
I actually touched that vehicle one time. Um, I was in another state. And he pulled back the throttle. They were afraid. They were afraid. Back it down. Back it down. And um, anyhow, they send him another time. They launched. And he decided, I am a test pilot. This is what I do. This is for the good of mankind and science. And he pushed that thing and it started to shake, rattle and roll and rumble. And at the point when they felt it was going to just explode and come apart, he can feel a little bit more throttle space in his hand that he could throw that engine again. And he pushed it. And he broke the sound barrier. And there was a loud noise. But what happened? What did we discover? Once he penetrated the sound barrier, there was absolute stillness and peace on the other side of the sound barrier. Absolute perfect peace. But somebody had to say, I am going to go into the unknown, even if it cost me. Those behind would learn something from what I did, even if it cost me everything, because that's what I do. I'm going to try to go into the unknown. I'm going to pierce the wilderness. It's that kind of fortitude that makes pioneers and trailblazers and leaders and people who are not afraid to chance and give everything and die if they have to, you know? It's that kind of faithless position you have to take sometimes. If I die, at least I'm, I know where I'm going. Every time I get on a plane and people start getting scared about, you know, oh, what if this plane goes down? I just say, well, it may go down, but I'm going up. I don't know about you. Are you ready to meet Jesus? <laughs> Whichever direction it goes, I'm going up. <laughs> I'm assuming that up is heaven. <laughs> if it goes down, I'm going up. So, you know what? I'm ready. Uh, I'm in no great big hurry, but I am ready. See what I'm saying? So that happened on, 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 on <coughs> September 11th, uh, 2001. With an unsuspecting aura of peace, over 3,000 people died downtown New York, Pentagon, in a plane and stuff. It's that uncertainty of tomorrow. We don't have that. We don't know, you know? Um, There is no guarantee of anything. There's no guarantee. Uh, I remember what's his name. I think his name is Steve Belcher. He was a, a, a baseball player who was trying this weight loss thing, rapid weight loss stuff, and his heart exploded and he died. And the whole of, uh, he was from the Boston Orioles, I remember that much. But the whole of the... The industry was like in shock and awe. Not him, he's a young guy. I think he was like 23 years old. How does that happen? There is no guarantee. There's no guarantee. You know, so there, there's no reason to not pierce the wilderness or step into the unknown because you want to be sure it's going to be all right over there. Sometimes at the cost of bringing about change, we have to become expendable. Think about it. Sometime at the cost of bringing about change, we have to make ourselves ready to meet the master. Because I don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what tomorrow holds. We could do all the preparation we want and take all the precautions that we want and we can put all kinds of safety measures in place and that's good to do. No one needs to be stupid or anything like that. But there's still no guarantees. Is it, is it going to be Exodus or Egypt? Am I going to stay where I am comfortable even though I dread every day in that miserable God-forsaking place? I don't want to be there. Or do I take a chance at creating? Or do I take a chance at making a brand new world? Do, 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 does, the, does, the, does the pilgrim stay in England under a ruthless, tyrannical king? Or do we go to the new worlds and forge this new nation called America? That has now emerged to become the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Who saw that when they left out on those little ships? Who saw a new nation that would raise up? With, 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 with law being the order of the day and the law of the land and, and, and democracy and freedom. And who, who, who saw that? 200 and what, 30-something years ago? Who saw that? We didn't see that. 
But it took some brave men to say, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. Sometimes we would continue and tolerate an almost unbearable present uh, than to venture into the unknown future. You know, um, I think as somebody who does counseling and stuff, I think about spousal abuse a lot because, oh God, it's been a, a significant portion of my professional history in terms of dealing with people. And you see some people and you hear their story and you ask, why are you still there? Why are you still there? Well, because uh, I, I took a vow for until death do us part. He gonna kill you. <laughs> death will part you. Ask, ask some of these police officers in this room here. He'll kill you. If that's what you're waiting on until death do us part, you know, you might part that way. <laughs> you see, don't buy a fool's package. I'm sorry, you know. I know we have all these hang-ups about things and stuff, but, you know, God, why do you want to stay in Egypt? Because you're getting bread? Because you have a roof over your head? But you're dying faster than you should because your heart is breaking from crying every night as you go to bed? You cry yourself to sleep every single night. You're living with a continuous heartache and depression, morning, noon, and night. And you have the power to pierce the uncertain, the unknown. Exodus or Egypt? Huh. I'm going to say something that might be a little bit controversial, but I remember one day somebody challenged me. Like, well, they married and they, 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 they took an hour and they took a vote and a vow and all that kind of stuff. But I also remember that same person telling me, God told me it wasn't to do this and I did it. And now I took my vow. And I just said, which is the biggest sin? Getting divorced or getting married in the first place? Because you said God told you wasn't to do it, and you still do it, and now you're living in hell, and now you're complaining to me. Which was the biggest sin, getting divorced or getting married in the first place? See, sometimes it comes down to that. I know that's controversial, but I'm not making any recommendations. I'm just telling you. Sometimes you have to get real with yourself. <laughs> sometimes you got to get real with yourself, you know? The guy beating the living daylight see I know a woman with a stick the plate in her head, but I took a vow. Okay, keep that vow. <laughs> you know, one is is another club across the head, and you'll have the steel plate and you'll have your vow too. But I'm not being willy-nilly about stuff. I'm just saying you, you you gotta understand there is an Egypt and there's an Exodus. And the Exodus is uncertain. But boy, your chances are better going into a great big unknown where you have the ability to create your direction. You have the ability to create your direction. You have the ability to let what's inside you. You will never know how creative you are until it had to be put to the test. If you stay in doldrum all the time, you will never know your potential for excellence. You will never discover it. You will never. You never know what's in you. Because there is nothing that puts a demand on you like being thrown into the unknown. When you have to like, dude, I got to make it today or else I'm going to starve. And all of a sudden, you start figuring out ways. Your creative energies begin to kick in. You start figuring out ways. Well, uh, listen, I'm, I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. I left my home as a young boy, 28 years old, I think, and flew five, 6,000 miles away into an unknown, uncertain future. Don't have no money. Don't even know nothing about the banking system. Don't know anything. Don't even know that school closes for Thanksgiving and I'll be left alone in a dormitory. Don't know anything. But today, I want to believe that I'm 10 times better off than I was in that little podunk place. God bless it. If you be good, you live right, and you die, you'll go to Trinidad. I mean, heaven. Uh, <laughs> yes. 
Kusa. <laughs> but, 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 but you understand? I want to believe I'm, I'm much better for my adventure to change because I was tired of that's it. I had reached the top of my game. I was a college professor and that was it. And I know inside me there was more and more and I couldn't see any room to express any of that. And so I made a choice. Go where freedom waits for me. Go where opportunities of excellence await me. Go. Go, son. Go west. Go. Don't know what it's going to hold, but I'm going to go. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I'm going to walk into tomorrow. I don't know what that new job holds, what that new prospect holds, but I'm going to walk into it. It's going to be an exodus moment for me. I got to leave this thing that I know that I have, but it's not working. It's not. Can I get a witness? I got what I got. I know what I have, but it's not working. And I'm miserable. God, my heart aches just to say what I'm saying. I have this thing. It's not working. It's miserable. I'm dying a thousand deaths with a thousand cuts daily. But at least it's... Let me tell you what that is called. That's called familiarity. That's familiarity. I know, I, I know this thing. I'm familiar with it. But you know inside you, there is a spark of greatness. You know that there is something inside you that have not arrived at the shore of extreme potential. You know. I bet you if I pulled this room and I went around this room, I guarantee you every last one of you have a dream that you have not achieved yet. There is something inside you that says greatness that you still want to do. There is something in all of you in this room right here, right now, that know I could be better, different, make a difference. But I haven't gotten there yet. But I'm so used to familiar, at least with this, I know I get my paycheck and I get this and all these things are routine. But I'm dying because there is no real expression in me that fulfills my heart's desire, you know. Sometimes we would tolerate almost an unbearable present than to venture into the unknown. Since the children of Israel were slaves, being savagely abused by cruel, sadistic taskmasters, then why not take the chance at an exodus into the unknown? So many people that I ministered to for a long time have been enslaved by cruel and destructive chains, you know, sin. Uh, and it behooves me as to why they don't take the chance of a divine exodus. Oh, they take the chance. Why don't you just wake up one day and say, you know what? Enough is enough. This familiar spirit opens a door for familiar spirit of all different sorts to come into my life. The, famili the familiarity of this okay situation is an open door for other familiar spirits to enter into you because that one has already taken up residence and he knows his cousins and his uncles when he see them so he creates an environment for them to come live with him familiarity breeds familiarity and creates an opportunity for all kinds of other stuff to keep you in bondage in that place I bet there are those in this room who have as aspirations to probably still be a doctor or a lawyer or, 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 or some noble profession that's helping and humanitarian, you know. Um, even the book of Romans says that uh, the police officer, for, didn't use the word police, but officers are agents of God to enforce the law. You know, there's, there's something about that that is of good to society 
and you can become better and the best there is at it. There's some people who were born for that stuff. There's some people who were born to teach. And that dream is still inside them and they haven't yet arrived at that shore. But the dream is there. You say, well, I'm too old. In today's world, man, you can do online schooling. You, there's so much you can do. You can arrive at that dream. Exodus or Egypt? What is it going to be? What is it going to be? We live and we are enslaved by cruel, destructive habits. You know, people who I know who were drunks, they were miserable. But they didn't change because it was the only life that they knew. And they were afraid to change. Wives, children, subject to abuse at home, miserable, father who beat the snot out of you. You know, if the truth be known, <laughs> this is a moment of sheer honesty and transparency here. I had to leave my house. I had, God rest his soul, a stepfather who, his personality was like that of an ice cube. And um, he did not understand the warmth of human kindness and that milk didn't flow in his veins. And he used to beat me with reckless disregard. You know, some people spank their kids. No, he used to beat me broomstick across my head, anything that he found, knocked me unconscious once, and while I'm on the floor, fluttering like I'm gonna die, and my mother is screaming, oh God, you killed him, he decided to resurrect me with the same broomstick that he took to take me down. So after he hit me about two more on the floor, I did resurrect, I got up, because for sure he was gonna kill me on the ground. And in my heart, in my heart, I said, I have to get out. Work wasn't an escape because even if I went to work, I had to come back to the house. You know what was my escape? College. <laughs> college was my escape. I got to go to college. And you know why I had to go to college? In the United States of America. I had to get away as far, as far, as far as possible. It was a big unknown but do I stay and take the beatings and the raging and the madness when he's drunk or something like that and get sucker punched or knocked out for as much as smiling? What are you happy about? Ain't nobody that happy. Whack. What stupid, you know. Let me say this so that it doesn't remain a bitter taste in people's mouth. I got a chance after I was in college in the United States to return to Trinidad and led him to the Lord on his deathbed. I led him to the Lord and he revived and lived for about seven or eight years after that. He was going to die. They had actually called me home to bury him. And I prayed at the side of his bed and asked God to spare his life and give him more days. And the next day, a miracle happened. He turned around. The whole medical staff was surprised. This man was going to die within 24 hours. Instead, he lived. He lived. But that was my motivation. Exodus or Egypt. I got to get out. And I entered into this big, vast, unknown world called the United States of America. Back then, we didn't call it living the dream. It was just like, get out of Dutch. That was it was. <laughs> I didn't come here to live the dream. I came here so that I wouldn't die. <laughs> it's, the, the choice was real easy. Stay there, he beat you to death. Get away, make your own future. You know, that, that's what it was, right? So. People are su subject to this kind of stuff and, and, and they stay out of fear. They, they continue in a pitiful existence. Uh, people who exist without joy, they face each day without peace. Uh, they're terrified of the time frame of eternity, but they are afraid of the unknown. This story is probably not true. It's just one of them things you read in 
in magazines when you're looking for illustrations, you know, and you said that one will fit with my message and you clip it out and put it in there. There's these two caterpillars walking around lock, along the street side by side. <laughs> they just, you know, you know, caterpillar do that peristaltic thing, sting and they're moving along and comes this butterfly and he's flying over them and he's like flaunting it and he's over there and one not just and say, hmm, not going to get me up there for a million bucks. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Let me start that all over again. Two caterpillars. <laughs> you know caterpillar that turns into a butterfly? Okay. <laughs> he nods there and say, you're not going to get me up there for a million bucks. Doesn't know his own future. He kills his future. <laughs> don't we all do that? We kill our future. We don't know we have the potential to fly and to be beautiful. But already we looked at it. Naganda. Naganda. Not going to do it. You're not going to get me up there. You know? <laughs> With the beauties, the humiliation, and the lifestyle of deplorable poverty, the only comfort that much of Israel felt that they could depend on in Egypt was the comfort of familiarity. That's when familiarity is the only concept or concept of comfort that you know, that's a bad place. The only thing I could rejoice in or relax in is that, well, at least I know where I'm at. But the question is, are you even moderately or mildly happy where you're at? Or is there greatness inside you that just is waiting to be explored? Is there something inside you that needs to be discovered? Do you need to be exposed? Listen, here is a truth. And call this elitism if you want. The next stage of your life, the next promotion, the next elevation in your life is going to come through a relationship. The next stage in your life is going to come through a relationship. You're going to meet somebody, run into somebody, expose to somebody. There is a relationship waiting for you to take you to the next level. And I ain't talking about boy, girl, meet girl and all that kind of stuff. There is a relationship waiting for you to take you to the next level. It's going to be somebody that's going to open your eyes to the spectrum of greatness and untap the potential inside you. Proverbs says it's a wise man who draws out the riches in another. It takes somebody else sometimes. As pastors, we get to do that more often than the next guy. See the person. Oh, you've heard me say that so many times. You're going to hear me say it again. See the person. Stop seeing the problem. See the person. Inside of there, buried under all that skin, is a perfect gem waiting for somebody to pull it out and shine it up and present it to you and say, you know, that's you. That came from you, right? You, you know that, right? No, you're like, no, that, I ain't got nothing like that in me. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Stop seeing all this stuff and 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 well that one is just start seeing people see their potential and the promise that's in them i have a message that goes like that i think i preached it a few weeks ago yeah. see the person the potential and their promise i live by that rule i really do i try not to prejudge Based on any kind of presenting circumstances, you know, like, well, I don't know about him. He look, his head is too bald. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> that one eyebrow is crooked. <laughs> you know, Isaiah says, see the potential of the dry land? Isaiah? Yeah. What chapter? Okay, well, look it up for me and find it. Okay, so the only thing that they had was the comfort of familiarity. I know this place. But ain't that the same place you say that's killing you? 
Like my friend always says, you're killing me, man. You're killing me. <laughs> you're, you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. <laughs> See the potential. You are a promise. You are a potential. You are a possibility. Is it going to be Exodus or Egypt? Exodus or Egypt? So according to Exodus 16.10, which I read earlier on, Moses says, They look towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud when you get to that place when you decide i'm gonna move or look to the heavens and trust god to put one step ahead of the next step listen whatever you've been dreaming of 2019 is the rest restoration this is the time to pursue your dream oh but i'm too old no this is the time to pursue your dream but i'm this is it but people done this to me this is the time listen i don't care okay. I don't care what people did to you. A whole new set of people will do something good for you. Amen. It's a relationship that's going to take you to the next dimension. It's somebody you're going to meet that will change your life. You know, we are oftentimes hurt by relationships. But here's the flip side of the story. We are also healed by relationships. So try to choose healing relationships as much as possible. Because a lot of them hurt you. A lot of them hurt you. Oh, I got two sons who I wish I could talk into the ministry. One of them I know God told me when he was born, he says, he is going to be a hundred times greater than you. That boy doesn't want nothing to do with the ministry. He's not antichrist. He's a good Christian young man. But he says, Dad, I've seen what people do to you. <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. Josiah have seen me come home crying from board meetings. <laughs> You're like, people are like, you know, well, you know, let's not go there. I'll drift off into another something. <laughs> but <laughs> people decide if you can buy ice cream this week. <laughs> no, really. 20 years ago and stuff, had people in church who decide, we're going to tell you when you get a raise and if you get it, how much you can spend and this is what you're going to do. And then I'm going like, God, you call me or them? I'm confused here. They want to put me on a leech. I know my name says leech, but it's not leech. It's, it's leech. <laughs> Don't get it confused. <laughs> You know, you have to go tell your kid, you know, uh, I, son, I can't, I, I, once it backfired on me. My son kept asking me for something that he really needed, really needed. And one day I said, I just said, Farrell hasn't given me my money. Farrell is who signed my paycheck. I was in the ministry. And when he got around to it, he signed it. I was younger then. And I told my son, he, he just wouldn't give me my paycheck. And... Lo and behold, sure as the sunrise, that one particular day, Farrell decided to come to my house. And my little bow-legged, bandy-legged son walked up to the door and looked at him and says, when are you going to give my dad his money? <laughs> and I was scrambling. I, I, did, I, I'm, no, don't. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Too late. He just walked up to him and said, so when you're going to give my dad his money? <laughs> you're around the bush. And a child shall lead them. <laughs> but it's things like that that my son going like, people have that kind of rule over you. That's not something I want to be involved in at all. <laughs> you see, you feel me? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Israel had to make a choice, Exodus or Egypt. And after that choice had been made, even then the enemy still tracked them down and tried to capture them and take them back. Remember the Red Sea experience? Still wanting them to go back? Hmm? It was at that point God had to pose the question to Israel. What will it be? Will it be Exodus? 
or Egypt? Or Egypt or Exodus? What is it going to be? Which way you're going to go? God is calling somebody here tonight and he's saying to you, what is it going to be? Is it going to be Exodus or Egypt? Are you going to go with this new thing? Are you going to find your potential and the fullness of the experience if you're willing to go into that uncertain wilderness place? Are you willing to be creative to make your way? You know, there was a time when there, were, there wasn't a, a, an I-15. Right? Remember that? There was a time when there wasn't an I-15. There was Route 66. But somebody ventured to make a new way. Somebody ventured to make a new way. And eventually they had to kind of retire Route 66 and now we have I-15. Somebody says, we need bigger, wider, more lanes, direct access, city to city. You get to enjoy the privileges of somebody who said there is a better way and we need to go that better way. Exodus to Egypt, bondage or deliverance, misery or mirac miraculous, Satan or Savior, hell or Holy Ghost, gloom or the glory, pain or the promised land, blood and sweat, or milk and honey what will it be exodus or egypt egypt is the past it's time to draw a line a demarcation and separate yourself from your past philippians 3 13 and 14 says brethren i count myself to have apprehended i count my i count i count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing i do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before i press towards the mark of the high calling of god in christ jesus hmm? forgetting those things which are in the past i count myself not having apprehended i haven't arrived there's still more to go i i i, I I count the past as nothing. I press towards the mark of the high calling in God through Christ Jesus. It's time for you to have your own personal exodus. I'm almost at the end. That clock is five minutes fast. It'll be eight o'clock in five minutes. Second Corinthians 6, 17 and 18. Wherefore, come out from amongst them, and be separate, said the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. There's a time to come out. There's a time to come out. You know? Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Paul says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of the sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That was a promise that they didn't have. That was a promise that was unknown. Joel talks about it. In the last day, I will pour out my spirit. The book of Joel, hundreds of years before, talk about the promise of the Holy Spirit that they didn't know about. He says, in that day, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That was the coming of the Holy Spirit, baptizing all of mankind hundreds of years before that incident. And now in Acts chapter 2, 38, it's now coming to pass. <coughs> Can you take a, no, or take a journey into the unknown, even into the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And see your life change because you're walking in a new power. Because you now could command a situation and see it happen. And you get so used to commanding a situation that you do it routinely every day. 
I know. It takes courage to leave behind all that you've ever known. I know there's much about living for the Lord that you don't understand. This whole new birth, this Pentecostal, this faith walk, this experience, that probably frightens you. I know it seems impossible that God could give you this incomprehensible peace <laughs> and joy. I know. You know, I, I don't know how, I don't know how to express this, but there's a lot of stuff that I don't have or attain to yet. But there's a lot that more that I didn't have and have attained to. You know, sometimes my old body doesn't want, I was telling somebody today, I guess it must have been a client. I said, I know my age. In my mind, I'm 40 years old. Amen. In my mind, I am 40 years old. And then some mornings when I get up, my body says, you're a liar. <laughs> you just a liar. <laughs> you're 63. I said, no, I am 40 years old. I said, well, jump up now and see. Let's, let's test that theory. <laughs> my mind says 40. I think 40. My body says, oh, God, I can't get up, you know. But let me tell you what happens in the midst of all of that. Let me tell you what I do have. I rarely have the peace and joy of the Holy Ghost inside me. I don't have an undisturbed composure. I won't trade that for the world. I can lay me down in peace and wake up in peace. Amidst all that turmoil in the world, I got peace. Peace that passes understanding. Do you understand what peace that passes understanding means? It means there's a lot of stuff we try to figure out and we understand. This is peace that passes that I have no understanding for why I'm this peaceful. It's peace that surpasses my understanding. I can't put logic, rhyme, or reason to it. I just have it. Peace that passes understanding. Would you trade that for anything? Even in the midst of sickness, would I trade that? Even in the it's my peace in the midst of my sickness that makes me face my illness. Knowing that there's going to be a brighter day. This too shall pass. Hmm? Hmm. But beloved, 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, everything has become new. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. All that old stuff passed away, and behold, everything has become new. Exodus or Egypt? I face my uncertain future and I run towards it because I behold in the spirit realm the glory of the Lord of things not yet seen. And it was counted to Abraham for fate because he called things that be not as though it really existed. That would be Romans, what, 517? Maybe. 417, okay. I'm off by one chapter. For he called things that be not as though they were. I go into tomorrow clueless in my flesh and in my human wisdom. But I go into tomorrow knowing that God has already entered into tomorrow. And he bids me to come. Come into tomorrow because he says, I am already there. I am the God of yesterday, today, and forever. As I go to bed tonight, God has already gone into tomorrow. Yes. 
and he bids me come. My uncertainty is in the hands of a guy who's already seen tomorrow. And he loves me. Why would he deprive me of anything? He's going ahead of me. God is in my tomorrow. So I declare 2019 is in the hands of God. And you know what he told me? This is the year of restoration. Now you need to put a demand on that. You need to put a demand on that. 2019 is the year of restoration. I am bringing back all things, said the Lord. That which the canker worm had stolen, I'm expecting full restoration of my health. I am absolutely believing that. Can I share a secret with you? I was praying last week. And I was just getting out of the shower. And I had an awesome, awesome God moment. I just called my wife and I grabbed her and said, You can't believe what the Lord just did. What? 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 He told me to ask him for three things. I know this is going to sound kind of familiar because there's kind of a Bible story to that. I'm preaching and I stood outside there, drying myself and cold. And I'm going like, what am I going to ask you for? Oh God, oh God. <laughs> World Wide Web, no. <laughs> it was something like that. I saw three W's appear before me and I'm figuring, what am I going to do with that? And I said to my, that's the World Wide Web, WWW. I said, no. Wellness, wealth, and wisdom. That's what I asked God for. And the more I stayed there, it covered every base of my life, every base of my life, past, present, and future. I want wellness. That's health. I want wealth, not riches. <laughs> I want wealth. Good, true, creative wealth that I can help people with. Yes. And I want wisdom. Mm, How to guide people. Amen. How to mold and shape people. How to take that rough diamond and see the person and extract from them that jewel. Mm. Wisdom. 2019 is the year of restoration. And in this year, I am going to have, I declare because I put a demand on it, I'm going to have wellness and wealth and wisdom. That, 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 that all, folks. <laughs> I'm done. Ha, huh. wow. Yeah, turn that off. Anybody have a prayer request? You've got some envelopes and stuff. We don't want you to 